WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Congratulations. Obviously, you know this. You know, we've been speaking regularly anyway, but um, for the for the benefit of the audience, congratulations on becoming a father, mate. It must be a, a magical time for you. Or uh, a terrifying time. Yeah, measure. Uh, both. Both. Um, it's obviously not the way that we, uh, we imagined it or expected it to be because the world went fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> everything went to shit after... Well, obviously, it was going to shit anyway, but... Um, the lockdown happened here in the UK after, or just before it was two weeks. So mm. wow. it's been pretty much um, figuring out how to parent in a pandemic, really. And obviously that's it's our first and quite probably only ever um, child. So it's not easy to do. It's, not, uh, it's just been figuring it out as we go along. Obviously, a lot of the support services have been reduced massively or shut down and you know, we've not got parents on hand or, or a support network on hand because we're not allowed visitors and you're not allowed to see people to any extent. And um, a lot of them live far away and travelling becomes a pain in the ass for people when hotels are shut and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's um, it's been really uh, intimidating and scary, but it's 
it's fun and it's challenging and it's an adventure and it's you know it's one of them where for the most i'm not gonna say i love every minute of it because i don't always just i can see the car pulling back up so okay fine fuck you bye Sorry. <laughs> you anyway. <laughs> yeah, just I was really hoping you were just gonna soldier through that and not notice that I hadn't left. Like yeah, my Xbox app was like, Yeah, well I'm not gonna edit that, fuck off. Uh, the Xbox app was like, Ha! Fuck you! You want to reconnect with your friends? Well have none of that. Absolutely so, not. Uh, That's not what Bill Gates is for. Fuck you. No, he's all about that vaccine life. Um, yeah, he is. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, just, it's been a, a really, really nutty time, as anyone who's parenting kids of any age during this period will know. But when it's your first, so you're obviously nervous and anxious and scared of everything anyway. Um, and you're trying to do it in what is essentially a vacuum. Um, mm. It does make it harder, but it's an adventure. You know, it's one of those things where obviously we'd change the situation if we could, because, you know, we don't want people dying left, right and centre. But also because... Um, you know, it's we could have seen more family and friends and done more social things and gone to like student, uh, like baby and toddler groups and all that kind of stuff. I can just see they just pull back up actually. They'll be in the door. Now. Um, but yeah, so it's just one of those where obviously we'd change it if we could, but taking the positives from it, we've had a lot of it's just been us, you know, we've had been able to have that kind of just that family time undisturbed and uninterrupted where it's just the three of us and that's been actually really, really nice. So I'm not gonna kind of complain about that at all it's been you know we just have to take the rough with the smooth i suppose and it's mental but it is what it is and i wouldn't change you know what we've been doing for the world really do you think that like the coronavirus and everything that's come with it has probably benefited you from the sense of you've had more time to kind of emotionally connect with arthur as a you know an actual child like as opposed to kind of like like you say there's that I don't know, obviously, I'm not a father, I don't plan on being one either, but at the same time, there's, I'm aware that there's that kind of grace period, everyone comes around, sees the baby, you know, the parents will babysit and help out as much as possible and things like that, and where a lot of that has been taken away, you know, just by the fact of what's happened, I think that's given you an opportunity uh, as parents to emotionally collect maybe more than other parents might have done if they had raised a child, you know, pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah, I think that's a decent point, to be fair. I, I think it probably has, because we've just been able to do our own thing without being told what to do, and, and the time that we've had with him has been, you know, it has been uninterrupted. So we've been able to find our own way, our own way without um, kind of people telling us what to do or telling us that we're wrong all the time, and mm. that's been kind of, I think, beneficial as much as you want the advice and you want the support from people. Um, and as you say, like, there is there is initial periods when you know when he's when he's born there's a thing where you feel very obviously you feel very protective and you know don't want anything bad to happen and stuff like that but the actual kind of the bond of love builds over over a period of time so if you've just got that time being focused and concentrated together rather than diluted by passing the parcel all the way around every family member and every friend who comes in then obviously it's just going to build up that much faster it was just everything was more concentrated um, and intense, I suppose. Like we, because the lockdown came in after two weeks, we were able to see my parents and like Becky's dad and stuff like that. So we were able to do a little bit of family stuff, but not a lot. Like her mum still not met him, and my sisters haven't met him, and um, you know his aunts and uncles and stuff like that that have never met him. So it's um, 
and friends. Well, none of our friends really have met him. So um, for the most part, it's been me and Becky. From two weeks on, um, it has just been me and Becky. Though. We've never had a night away from him or, you know, as a couple, any time away from him at all. We've not done any of that. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's intense. We could be tired, I can tell you that. But yeah. it's... Um, it's uh, it's one of those where because this is all we've known, we've not got another point of reference of anything different. I wouldn't really change anything from that respect. Like, is that, I mean, even because I was working from home when you know I was working, I was working from home, so um, it meant that literally all the time was in the house and all the time was with him. So I didn't have to miss out on anything. You know, you don't miss out on any firsts. You don't miss out on him rolling over, smiling or laughing or whatever it might be for the first time. You see everything. So. That's been really, really positive. I haven't had to miss out on a lot of dads or parents, whoever goes back to work first, have to miss out on that stuff normally. Um, and I would have done if I, you know, if there was no COVID and I was working outside of the house at an office. So I can't complain of that either, really. That's been really good. Has there, I think the question that everybody listening will want to know is, has there been a indication that you might have to replicate Gene Snitsky at some point? Is there a temptation to... Uh... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like, people, people go, oh, I can't understand how anyone could hurt a baby. I can, mate. Fuck you, no. <laughs> Honestly. Snitsky... <laughs> <laughs> So, That's going to get uh, this podcast to me. I love that. <laughs> Snitsky was right. Snitsky was right, mate. Um, no, there, there are times when you're up, when he's waking you up for the 93rd time of the night and it's like 3 a.m. and you're exhausted because you've had four hours sleep in two days and there's nothing wrong with him at all. And you go in there and he looks up at you and he just stares you out or he smiles like fucking cocky <laughs> smile at that prick. Thought you were going to sleep there, didn't you? Fuck you. But honestly, punting him into a crowd of rabid <laughs> Pennsylvania natives would be completely and utterly understandable. Obviously, you don't do it. But anyone that's like, oh, I've never had, you know, oh, I've never felt angry or frustrated towards a child. It's a fucking lie. Like, it's a lie people tell on Facebook and Instagram to make them sound like, oh, this is what humanity is. And it's not. What parenting is, it's not, fe- not feeling those negative emotions it's being able to suppress the rage and control it being like, <laughs> okay, right, let's just find a way of getting through it and find a solution to it. Uh, just being patient. It's, that's all it is. Like it's not all it is, but that to say that, Oh, you know, I, I never feel angry and I'd never feel like any kind of impulse to be like, Oh, shut the fuck up from against the wall. is a lie. It's absolute bollocks. Um, so yeah, no, hundred percent, you know, Snitsky, uh, has been my hero on a number of occasions. Yeah. A regular go-to fucking gif for me, to be quite honest, when communicating my feelings. Oh, how's parenting going? Snitsky! Fuck you, Snitsky! I will be your hide and right, Steve. I will be your hide and right. <laughs> I, I love your poetry. <laughs> I love what you do to babies. Uh, brilliant uh, stuff. stuff. Yeah, man. Um, I, I mean, like I say, I, I have no point of reference at all. I don't know anything about parenthood, and I've I've been very open and honest in my life that I don't think I have the emotional uh, strength to be a parent. I don't think that's something that I'm capable of, and ultimately, I'm quite a selfish person anyway, and I want to live my own life, and I don't feel that that's plausible as a father. So that's why that's that's basically called responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. Instead of sticking in anything, Jeremy Miller, without a fucking glove. 
Uh, fucking Republicans. God damn it. He's just like, we don't believe in Cardinals. We believe in Donald Trump and spreading on the seed. Um, ultimately, I don't want to make this all about slagging off Jeremy Minotto. He has become our new Dexter, so, you know, he should very much enjoy that when we get to episode 500. Um, prepare yourself, because thy anus will be penetrated by the returning Steve. Um, for me, like, my experience of anyone who is a parent, a lot of my friends are parents, and they, uh, to be honest, the, the best parents are the ones who accept that it's okay to call your child a dickhead, or just, you know, or just be honest and real around your kids and not create this faux fantasy bubble that doesn't exist. Like, from my perspective alone, and I'm sure there are parents that go, fuck you! Like, for me, I feel that if I did have a child, I would want them to know that the world can be a tough place and they'll always have my love and support. But at the same time, I'm not going to try and pretend that everything is perfect and clear and innocent. And I always use Nick Payne as a reference. Like, he calls his kids the bastards. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're two of the most loveliest children I've ever met. His kids are actually incredible. The kind of kids that everybody... They're the kind of kids everybody wants. And they don't make any noise. They're polite. They're lovely kids. Um, you know, they're just good kids, and a lot of that is down to the fact I feel that they have realistic and real parents, which is why I'm, you know, very excited for your son. I think he's going to do just fine with incredible parents like that, because you guys are as real as it comes, and that's, I think that's so important that we raise a generation of, you know, I've got two little sisters now, so it's a little bit easier for me to quantify. You know, they look up to me, they see me as a role model, they think that, you know, oh, Amir's crazy, and he's, like, you know, great fun, and I want to be like you when I grow up. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> but at the same time, I understand now that it's so important now more than ever that we raise young people to be free thinkers and to, you know, have dreams and not just believe that the societal needs are it, and that's all they can hope to achieve. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a horrible... You know, I feel almost guilty bringing him into the world sometimes because the world's such a fucked up place. You know, not just, you know, and that was pre-COVID, let alone. Um, How dare you not this... anticipate and a pandemic? I know, but it's it's one of those where, you know, you've got to try. We live in an area which is relatively rural mm. uh, in the southwest of England, and it's obviously overwhelmingly a white area. There's a lot of old people that live around here. It's quite an impoverished area for people who are our sort of age and younger um, because you know work opportunities are at a premium you know you've got wealthier older people who've retired down here and brought their London money or you know whatever money from elsewhere in the country down to this area um, for cheap property prices um, but it's you know so you're trying to kind of you know raise them to have a balanced view of um yeah, like just trying to be a decent human being. Like how it's, it's difficult to teach about diversity and to make sure that he values, you know, life no matter what the colour is. If the only colour he sees around him is white, like how do you deal with that? How do you deal with, you know, if the, you're living in a very conservative area where the idea of a gay person is, is kind of something that would probably disgust the vast majority of people in this town. How do you raise him to know that love is love and it doesn't matter, you know, who you, who you love as, as long as you know everyone is is happy and you know an adult and human like it doesn't really matter um it's you know how do you raise him to make sure he's got the values of you know respecting women and all that kind of stuff like it's a really difficult world in which to to raise your kid especially you know the internet is obviously like a big fear and 
and all that kind of stuff. And kids now lose their innocence at such a young age because of what they're exposed to online through YouTubers and through, you know, whatever stuff that you're exposed to compared to, you know, this is not a back in our day thing, but you know, when we were kids, we didn't have, you know, the internet and we didn't have 500 channels on demand and five streaming services and access to every song ever written under the sun on one device that you have in your pocket when you're six or seven years old. Like that just wasn't what happened. You know, we, we had a balance of, all right, we had video games and there was maybe some internet at school as we got into secondary school and we got to go outside and play at the same time and we got to, you know, it was kind of that, that mix between the old world and the new world, I suppose. And now it's just, it's fucking terrifying really to think about how you protect your kids in that kind of uh, environment. Like, I've got no idea. You know, we, me and Becky talk about it a lot, you know, and, and it's trying to kind of find an answer and there is no answer. Like, how do you protect your kids from social media when they're going on social media at their most impressionable age in, in their early teenage years? Um, you know, when they're going on Xbox Live at the age of eight and talking about how they're poning the noobs on, like, Call of Duty and stuff. Like, how are you supposed to protect them in those environments? So, it's um, it's one of them where you do have to prepare them for the fact that the world can be a really, really horrible place and they need a thick skin to be able to deal with it. And to make sure they've got enough of a positive attitude where they want to change it and make it a little bit better, hopefully, or, or contribute to it being a better place by not being a complete and utter arsehole. You know, I think that's all you can hope to do when you're raising kids is, okay, let's make sure we don't raise a serial killer. You know, let's make sure we don't raise a rapist. Let's make sure we don't raise a fucking Ku Klux Klan member. And if we can tick all those boxes and we can say we've done a fine job. Looking you know? at you, Miller. <laughs> Looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> if you can do those jobs, I think that's as much as you can ask for, right? Like, I don't care <clears> what he does for a living. I don't care if he's gay, straight. I don't care if he decides that... He's a woman as he gets older, and that's, you know, how he identifies. Like, oh, that stuff bothers me, like, as long as he's happy, as long as he's healthy, and as long as he's not a complete cunt. Maybe he's a complete cunt, you know. Then you have to snitsky, do you know what I mean? I like how it always come back, to snitsky? <laughs> it always like, that, back to that will be the measuring stick of how well your son does in this world. Um, it's something that, uh, it's such a generic question, but do you feel that, like, I'm always curious about this, because, like, obviously, um, our go-to kind of ideas like Jay Miller's got, um, well, three kids and an adopted child, so to speak, which is, you know, I'm not saying there's any less of a child for people to tell me. Uh, and, you know, Ray's only got the one, uh, Nick's got two. Like, you're the only uh, friend I have, I think, has got a single child, which is a boy. Do you think that you've kind of, like, is that, like, better? Do you feel like, did you always want a son? over a door like is it something where you think because i know it sounds really obnoxious but i'm very understanding particularly i was brought up in a very female household very feministic environment even now you know the majority of people who are close to me other than yourself are mostly female figures and so i find a lot of impact and that's why i love women's wrestling and i think that probably has some kind of saying why i love it so much is that kind of feministic approach towards equality and things like that but I would imagine in this world and the way that we've seen women treated, particularly in our world of wrestling, um, that having a son is probably in some way a relief. It's a really difficult question to answer. We, when I'm, I'm not sure, saying I've that got, you would regret no, having no, 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 a no, daughter, no. obviously. But. No, no. Um, so I've got three sisters, and so and you know a really strong you know mother and, and mum figure, and you know 
spend a lot of time around my my aunts and stuff like that. So I again just race around women of my some of my best friends at. Um, that sounds like a person who's talking about their token black friend. Some of my best friends are black. Some of my best friends are girls. You know. Doesn't matter if they've got cooties. I still like them. Um, but so I've always been around women, and, and it's kind of normal to me. And it's baffling to me that that people kind of think any less of them. Do you know what I mean? And it's it, so. But I, there was a thing of me. I'm I'm very protective. You know, I'm protective sometimes. You know, my sister's growing up. I would be chasing boyfriends off. For no reason, they just had appeared. Like they were, like, no, you're not good enough. You've got Nazi eyebrows. What have you done to your hair? You're doing, don't you try to dye dye blonde. Nazi like eyebrows. Sick. Amazing. There was a kid I called Nazi. Right wing leaning <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> Absolutely, they look like they would kill a Jew if they saw it. That's what those eyebrows look like. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I'm quite. So I think there was always a part of me was like, I think I'd be overprotective. Like I would be insane if, if I had a daughter and she was bringing boys home or girls home for that matter. I'd probably be overprotective. So maybe I would be less of that with having a son. But all the way through the pregnancy, we both had a feeling that it, that, that it was going to be a girl before. Obviously, we had the scan and the sex confirmed. And um, for, for some reason, I don't know, we both sort of talked ourselves into the fact that it was going to be a girl. And I'd really talked myself into it. And, I was actually getting quite excited picturing, you know, having a little girl and the stuff that you could do with having a little girl. Um, you know, I guess stereotypically more so that you can do with a little boy. Um, and then when we found out it was a boy, we were both just like really shocked. I don't know why. It's a bizarre thing because we didn't know either way, but we were really surprised. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say it's better. I mean, I, I get what you're saying and I do feel, I would feel extremely protective uh, if I had a girl, particularly in the world now. But it's a different issue with a boy where you're now trying to make sure they're not contributing to that. They're not growing up to be Jack Gallagher or whatever. They're not growing up to just be, you know, groping women against their will randomly. And, you know, I'm not talking about flirting. I'm not talking about, you know, dirty dancing in a palaver. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about actually, you know, really touching people inappropriately against their will. And when they're, you know, asked to stop or are clearly making someone feel uncomfortable carrying on and all the kind of horrible stuff that we hearing about now regularly especially from our world of wrestling that um you know you just you just don't want to see it and that so it's trying to kind of raise him to not be that guy you know and, and that i guess is is the challenge now and it's a challenge that too many parents have failed at not because they haven't tried not because they haven't worked hard and haven't had the best intentions but just because there's so many other influences out there beyond parents now uh, um, you know, with the internet and everything else, that makes it really, really difficult. And I think people who are now in their early to mid twenties are the generation that grew up always having the internet accessible, always having smartphones. And we're seeing this, you know, generation be not really any better when it comes to how they handle themselves around women than what we saw in, you know, people who grew up in the fifties and sixties. So it's kind of come full circle in that respect. Um, because there's just so much accessibility to awful, awful things that looks normal because you're seeing it all the time. It's so in your face. So, um, yeah, it's just trying to kind of get that balance right, I suppose. Um, so I don't know if it's a preference. It's just a different set of challenges. Um, you know, one thing that's really cool about me and you, other than the fact we've been brothers for so long, is the fact that 
we both live quite similar lifestyles now in the sense of where we live. We live in very rural, very kind of countrified, more isolated areas. They're not hotspots. You know, they're not places where you're going to see them on the news. They're not places where you're going to see a massive spike in viral contention. I live in a very similar, it's very white, very conservative. Everyone down here who lives around me, the majority are old people who you know, have just brought their money with them or have just retired, settled down into what is essentially a very small commuter town at best. Uh, and I'm surrounded by, uh, you know, beautiful countryside. Anyone who's seen my social media will know that. And, you know, the horses and things like that. Do you think it's, are you kind of glad as a parent that you're in that sort of surrounding as opposed to being in like a, you know, a, a concrete jungle, a big city? Do you feel that, he's going to have an even better opportunity because I've noticed something since I've moved here and I've been here about a year now is that I've matured a lot more as a person and I found a better understanding of life because I don't have access to all the things that I used to, all the vices and the luxuries and the things that I, you know, not just because financially I'm quite destitute, but ultimately as well because of my, you know, it takes, you know, local KFC is about half an hour away, for instance. You know, I, I don't have the ability, even if I did financially, to go and spend money on those kind of luxuries. I find myself being very humbled by the experience of cooking dinner for myself every night like literally in the last year i can count probably you know i think we're in single digits in terms of getting a takeaway things like that and i find that actually that's made me a better more rounded person do you hope that being in that kind of area might sort of rub off essentially on Arthur as he grows up, he might realise and have more of an appreciation for the outside world as opposed to just staring at a screen, which I think is what every parent is probably terrified will be the case going forward. Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely to a certain point. I grew up in, in a small, like, you know, you visited that town and it's a small town that I grew up in, you know, further up in the country. It was a more affluent town and it was closer to, you know, London and Birmingham and, and kind of bigger cities. So job opportunities and stuff is better there. That's the one, that's the kind of trade-off. You know, down here, there's not the career opportunities and the economic opportunities, um, you know, for him long-term, which is something obviously we'll have to consider as he gets older. But certainly in these early years, these formative years, like, for, for us, it's very important that he does have that kind of connection to nature and the environment. Because when you think of what a lot of jobs are going to be going forwards as well they're going to be jobs that are involved with conservation and with the environment and fighting climate change and green energy sources and all that kind of stuff those are the jobs of tomorrow those are the jobs that you know his generation are going to be you know coming into and you know creating and inspiring so um you know he needs to have that connection with nature himself in order to build up the interest in that kind of organically himself as a person that actually you know what I was always in nature as a kid, so I really grew up loving nature, and now I want to kind of work to protect it and preserve it and all that kind of stuff. So for us, because of where we are in a unique position, okay, there's not the job opportunities that we'd like, and there's not the cultural diversity that we'd like. But there is, you know, we've got the moors are like 10 minutes away, the beautiful kind of moorland. We're 15 minutes in another direction from the beach. We've got woodland around with rivers and rapids and stuff like that, like, you know, we've got big caves on the beaches. If you go to the right places, we've got, you know, the English Channel, we've got the Atlantic Ocean, you know, we've got so much in very easy, drivable, uh, accessible distance for us. And as you say, a lot of those luxuries, you know, we don't have them, but eats. 
We don't have Deliveroo down here. We don't have Uber taxis. Like, we don't have those conveniences. We don't have fucking fiber broadband down here. We don't even have a Nando's in this county. We've got to, like, you know, everything is... Your partner said that with a real amount of disdain. Honestly, she's so disappointed on a daily basis. When she sees it comes up on, on TV, the advert for, you can get Nando's delivered. We can't get Nando's delivered. Fuck you, TV. Her and my missus are, like, made for each other. Like, she loves Nando's. Obsessed oh, with it. So, but we, all of those kind of big chains and stuff like that, other than we've got a Domino's and we've got a Costa. Um... Oh, that's it really so for those kind of for that convenience stuff and like you say like luxuries i suppose you have to work for it you know you're gonna have to save up you're gonna have to get on the bus you're gonna have to get on the train or whatever it might be you know before you can drive you know <clears throat> or drive to these places none of it is a tap on your phone away right now none of it is a phone call away none of it's a whatsapp away you know you've got to go out and actually get these things so it's really got to be important to you so you've got to decide then what his priorities are. And I was the same as a kid, you know, we couldn't get those sorts of things delivered. They weren't in our town until after we left. Uh, Domino's and stuff came in, but they weren't there when we were there. So, you know, even when I was there as an adult, that stuff wasn't there. So we didn't have takeaways on a really regular basis. You know, you might get a Chinese or an Indian. Every town's got a Chinese or an Indian. I don't care where you are. Um, that's just a British thing, weirdly. As racist as a country we are. Where's our Chinese? What? There's Chinese people in the town. Get them out. Um, yeah, so it's, it's um, you know, I, I think that hopefully that's going to kind of teach them some better values. But it's, it's, it's a trade-off with the economic side. And it's a trade-off as well with the fact that as with a lot of rural areas, they are more conservative and they haven't got the diversity. And it is more kind of, you know, being gay isn't seen as something that's completely normal necessarily. Or being trans isn't considered as something that's completely normal, you know. So you're trying to then it's more difficult to, to get those values across and teach those values because it's not necessarily going to be there in the schools and stuff like that or it's not going to be surrounding him in his day-to-day life. So it's it's a trade-off from what you get in some way that was more cosmopolitan than where we are now. So it's just going to be important that, providing we ever can, um, this pandemic fucks off, that we actually take him to more cosmopolitan places so he sees people regularly who don't look like he does. You know, um, That's something that's going to be really important to us. The um obviously I don't know how much time you got, mate. So feel free to bite in if you don't need to go or whatever. Um, but like I don't want to hit. Obviously, I'm not Michael Carl, not a war journalist. I'm not going to hit you with immensely difficult questions. But for me, a lot of it's that's curiosity. Um, we live in a society where it is very much deemed that the woman does the majority of the work as a mother. And I'm not here to say whether that is the case or not, because I don't know. Um, I have a lot of respect for all the women around me who have put in an astonishing amount of time to help mold me into the somewhat semblance of a human being that I think I am. Um, but from a father's perspective, how does the, like, obviously mental health is such a crucial dynamic of everything we do in society now. And it's under threat very severely because of incompetence with governments and things like that. And that's another story for another time. If people want to hear me and Steve rabbit on about how much we hate Boris Johnson, that's fine too. But ultimately... Boris Johnson! Boris, Boris Johnson! <laughs> I love that. That is like the most prominent promo in the history of wrestling now because every time I think, what an arsehole, I sit down and watch that and I think, he actually has completely articulated what I think of this entire scenario and I'm waiting for him to do one on Donald Trump just to even the balance out I want him to do one on Trump as well because it would just be a great time but 
I, it's so difficult. It's so like I have, I am under immense stress and struggle, and I don't have to carry a lot of the burdens that you do. The mortgage, fatherhood, you know, we're both kind of in the job hunt, desperately looking to be, you know, more financially solvent. Um, how is your mental health? And also, do you feel as a man that society may be, I mean, ultimately, as a man, I always believe that we are expected to be less emotional, which is bullshit in so many ways, because in equality terms, you know, everyone has the right to feel emotional or distant or difficult. You know, everyone has strifes and mental health issues of their own. Everybody's on some form of spectrum. Do you feel that as a man, you're more so left behind than a mother when it comes to, you know, now now that you've had an opportunity, now you're about six months into fatherhood, seven months, do you sit there and think, as a man, does it feel like you're kind of left behind a little bit more? Or do you feel that you're afforded as much respect as the mother would be? There's definitely not as many support services for men's mental health or dad's mental health as there is for mums. Like, there's definitely more recognition about postnatal depression and things like that in in mothers, and that's now far more, you know, it, it's talked about now more in the mainstream more than it has been ever before, which is a really great thing. But dads can suffer with it themselves as well, and it's something which really isn't talked about in the mainstream. And that, a lot of that is to do with the fact that men don't talk enough about their mental health in general, you know, and... and there is a lot of pressure on us to, you know, we have to be the providers financially. We have to be the perfect protectors and defenders of the home. We've got to be, uh, you know, we've got to be the ones who are strong so that, you know, if if the, the mother needs, you know, the, the support and needs to lean on you, you're there to be lent on and all that kind of stuff. And obviously for the child as well and to set an example. And, you know, it's even more so with being British, I think. You know, we're supposed to have that stiff upper lip and be stoic and we don't feel emotions because we're British. We just bury them, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. There are support services starting to emerge now. Like one I'll, I'll talk about is just a simple app that anyone can download. Um, you know, expectant fathers, you don't have to be a dad. You can have been a dad for 15 years before you find it or 25 years before you find it. Uh, it's called Dad Af, D-A-D space A-F, or dad as fuck, basically. Um, and it's just, uh, it's got, it's a social media app basically for that and it's loads of like um threads and message boards and stuff that you can go on to including ones that are centered around mental health and well-being ones that are centered around sport there's a fantasy football one you know there's stuff around um just recommendations on different products and services that people can use there's one around fertility there's one around sex and relationships you know it's just general chat. There's all kinds of stuff on there, which is actually, you know, it's one of dedicated podcasts and stuff. Really, really good. Um, so, you know, if anyone's listening and, and wants something to try, you know, even Nick or, or, or Jay Miller, because there's American stuff and British stuff on there, definitely go on and and, um, and have a look because it's a really cool place. And I think for some dads who use it, it's definitely a place where they can go and vent because they don't feel they've got anywhere else to go or anyone else to turn to. Um, there's definitely support services starting to come into place, but there's there's not enough of them. You know, when you look at parenting books that are out there, 99% of them are geared towards the mother. They're not geared towards the father. And there's a few. There's one I read called Commando Dad, which was just written by an ex-military guy who just breaks everything down in a practical way. Like, right, this is about changing nappies. This is about being organised and things that you need for going out of the house. And 
simple stuff that's just looking at practical stuff and breaking it down in a way which is easy to understand, it's quite funny, doesn't take itself too seriously, um, and it's, it's really, really simple. You know, and I, I read it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we definitely get left behind in that sense. I, I definitely think that I'm lucky in terms of, um, you know, me and my missus try to be quite good in what we do and, um, you know, we're quite open in our communication of talking when, you know, one of us is struggling or having a bad day, you know, try and say that to each other so that, okay, now we know that the other person needs to step up a little bit and do a bit more or, or give a bit of specific help. And obviously with not having people coming in to say, oh, we're going to look after Arthur for two hours so you can go and get some extra sleep so that you can go out and enjoy yourselves or have a break. We have to give that to each other, you know, and we've been trying to do that, of, especially when we got through that first five or six months when the sleep was really bad um, and we were really tired and it was just a battle, to be honest, a lot of it, of just, just got to get through, just get through today, just get through tonight, just get through today. Um, as much as there are enjoyable things in there, like day to day, it's definitely a slog, the first eight weeks in particular, when you're not even getting a smile back because he's not capable of smiling yet, it's so difficult because there's it's an emotional void that you're you know, you're putting all of your attention and energy and love into this little creature and you get nothing but crying and screaming and a demand for food and not letting you sleep and that's really, really tough. Um but now we kind of try and say, Okay, you know what? Like why don't you go and you know, if they can just say, Look, I really fancy just going out and soak in the bath. Just want to go and have a soak in the bath, relax for a couple of hours. That's fine. It's not a problem. You know, or I'll say that I'm just gonna I just want to sit and play some, you know, whatever it is, some Xbox or something. Um, or watch a movie or whatever it might be. And that's fine. I can sit and do that. Or football's on, I want to watch, that's fine. You know, we, we just find, we've got to find a way to work together. So I'm very lucky in that sense. Uh, without a doubt. Um, my mental health is okay. Obviously it's, um, you know, goes up and down like everyone's and the pandemic hasn't helped. I think my anxiety has calmed down. I was definitely very anxious in the early stages of the pandemic when we really didn't know what was going on. Um, and the confusion was at a height because the communication we were getting was so bad. It was like, okay, so we don't know if I get it and pass it to my baby. Does my baby die? Like, what what happens? Like, I've got no idea. <laughs> the scientists don't know. Like, there's no information out there that's conclusive. So it was very much kind of a peak of anxiety that was heightened because of being a father that probably wouldn't have been there if, if um, you know, I hadn't had him. Um, but that's kind of calmed down as we've settled into this normality a bit and, and know what to do. And these are things that we need to do to have the best chance of avoiding it. You know, wear your masks, sanitize your hands, all that stuff. So keep your distance from people, which we've definitely done. Um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of calmed down a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's still up and down, man. It's, it's one of those where trying to kind of reach out and talk to people like yourself and, you know, just send those voice notes backwards and forwards like we do and, you know, trying to kind of find little things that you enjoy. So whether that's podcasts or whether that's reading or playing a bit of Xbox, playing a bit of football manager, watching, you know, footballs will come back on, watching that, finding shit on YouTube to sit and watch for a bit, just trying to block out the negative stuff and focus on the positive and just, you know what, I don't need drama and nonsense in my life right now. There's enough of that going on. I've got enough reality to deal with. Let's just try and enjoy myself and kind of get a bit of escapism and how important that's been, um, you know, to us. It's 
yeah, it's. Um, I think you know. I think we're okay. I think we're in an okay place. But it, obviously, it, it does go up and down. Um, I think you know, in terms of, I try and be quite hands on. Like you know, with the fact that, I, that I've got ME, I can't do every night or anything. You know, I can't do lots of night shifts in a row. But I can do. Okay, I'll you know, I try and make sure that I'm doing at least one a week. Um, to kind of take the pressure off. Um, and, and that makes it kind of easier for everyone. So it's, it's trying to do little bits and pieces. It's trying to be equal and, and, you know, I make sure I do dirty nappies. I make sure I'm hands on. I do feeds. Um, you know, I do make sure that he's got his food at lunch times or whatever it is. Like I, I try and be hands on and do stuff. Um, and give each other space really. It's, it's, we're getting through it just by trying to communicate with each other and improve it. You know, it's not perfect, but finding ways to get through it, basically. I was kind of going to ask you what sort of like your outlook on wrestling is going forward, but I imagine a lot of that was answered by the fact that you said, that, you know, you don't want bullshit and idiocy in your life. And right now that affords quite a large cater towards that environment. Um, so obviously I won't ask you, and obviously, you know, we've time as well, you know, we can sit here for hours and talk about the problems that are involved in yeah. wrestling and we cover that as well. So I'll, I'll keep it around uh, childhood. Something I'll, I kind of already know, but I think the audience will probably get a kick out of it. What is it like the very first time that you're trying? Because as everyone knows, I don't sugarcoat shit on this podcast, okay? And like, we're not going to just for the sake. And ultimately, I don't think that's fair on fatherhood and, you know, raising a child either if I try and steer away from certain things. Um, tell, me, tell me the process when you first have your child piss or shit on you while you're changing them, that kind of process of like, because that must be such an entirely different experience because ultimately, unless you've, you know, been around babies a lot or maybe you've had like a little sister or something like that who might have had that scenario as well, people aren't really exposed to that level of intimate cleanliness and care unless maybe they're a care worker as well and obviously a great deal of respect for people who have the mental aptitude and strength to be able to do that as well um what's it what's that like for you like i imagine you're probably used to it now obviously but that first sort of process is there anything that kind of you know makes you think jesus christ i'm in over my head (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no yeah um first couple of nappies right it's stuff called meconium it's this stuff which is in the baby's body um that they have to basically just get out it just sits there's this gunge that just sits in their stomach and their intestines because they've never they don't use it they don't it's just black tar basically because they don't use that area when they're feeding the placenta so um that stuff basically you activate it with milk so um it flushes out this awful tar that wasn't actually too bad then when you start like the shit start getting worse like you get accustomed to the smell i will say that but it's very liquidy and and you know it's usually been fine there's been there was one the first time we shat in the bath was every time we shat in the bath has been with becky which is magnificent <laughs> and i found it nothing but hilarious every time he's done it where you just have to stand and applaud you have to give him a standing ovation it's fucking five star i i find that immensely enjoyable that becky immediately has to stand up and shower out of the bath <laughs> because she's covered in shit um but i've had it where i've got him out of the bath being pissed on is like it's one of the, it's actually quite funny you just kind of okay well i'm like you know i'm damp now i'm probably gonna have to go and change my jeans or whatever like it's not that bad 
you find ways, you know, get a little cotton pad out, shove that over the end of his dick, and you're usually okay. At least you get a pre-warning. Hang on, that's getting damp. Fuck you. Move him away. Turn him towards the <laughs> space. <laughs> but the, um, the, I've had it where you got out of the bath, and I was, usually, I'm very organised, right? And I, I lay the nappy out ready to go. So when I've got him out of the bath and I've got him dry, I transport him into the bedroom, put him on a changing mat, which is laid out, and put the nappy straight on it. Boom. Right? I hadn't laid the nappy out. Got in there, laid him down. Fuck. Haven't laid the nappy out. Got the nappy out. He's like pissing on me. Fuck! Fuck, there's, there's piss everywhere. Right? <laughs> piss. I'm turning his, like, I literally just turned his leg around so he's just angling the piss elsewhere in the room rather than at me. So just pissing over the carpet now. Brilliant. Well done, Steve. Then, you know, okay, fine. That's over. Right? Get a little, like, get a cloth. Okay, shit. I'll wipe him up now. Then I'll put his nappy on. Go to put the nappy on. He starts shitting. And so Becky's still in the bath at this point. I'm going, ah, ah, Becky's shitting. He's shitting everywhere. There's so much shit. <laughs> um, okay, fuck, I've got to get that cleaned up. She starts cleaning up. You put the nappy under him. Finally, he fills that with shit. Fuck. Got another nappy. Fuck. And I, <laughs> um, so it's stressful, but it's, it was uh, that particular instance was hilarious. The worst one is now that he's now he's eating solids. So the the shits are starting to become more solid. They are becoming more recognisable logs. Uh, but it's inconsistent. You still get the explosive ones at times. So I've had it where you, you start changing, but he's mid-shit. So I'll change him, you know, that's brilliant. And then shit, he's still pushing a log out straight. Like, fuck! Fuck you, you old bastard, you're doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so you put a nappy under him. Right, he's got that log out. Brilliant, that'll be it. Right, wipe him. Get the nappy changed, put another one on. Start shitting again. Fuck you! Is this personal now? It's just literally an attack on my soul at this point. Um, so then at that point, it's like, fuck you. You can sit there. You can sit in your own shit until your mother changes you because I ain't playing this game, mate. I'm not going through eight nappies. Do you know how much they cost? Fuck you. Um, but and we've had, we had one, which was... Uh, we've had a few explosive ones. We had two in two days when we were out. So we had gone, we'd actually ventured out of the house in the car, parked up for a, for a walk on one of the days. And we'd gone for a walk. And we had, Even uh, he finds it amusing. Yeah, he does, he's a little bastard. We, um, <laughs> he knows. He's like, ah, dad's ah, Fuck you, covered fuck in Fuck you, dad. <laughs> he's, at this point, for some reason, his, his shit had the worst smell you could ever imagine. And... Uh, it exploded, it exploded nappy. So it was down his legs, it was up his back, it escaped the nappy, it was all over his clothes. So this is a case, you've got, can't, don't just have to change his nappy, you've got to change his entire outfit and trying to do it on the back seat of the car, which Becky's doing, but I've got to stand there with like the, the nappy sack that you put his dirty nappy into, and the smell, like you're gagging over the nappy, <laughs> over the nappy, trying to throw up in it, just to add to every single bodily fucking fluid that could be in there. Um, he did one. He's he had um one that was so smelly. In we was in the house. I was in the living room. I had to go and hide behind the dog's bed while Becky changed it because <laughs> it was cursed. It was a possessed satanic nappy. There was no way I was getting involved in that. Like that was beyond my ability to deal with. Like I don't. I would have thrown up. Like, I could just feel it in the back of my throat. It was one of them where it's like making your eyes water. <laughs> Fucking horrendous. But it's like, I don't know, it's, you do kind of, you get, definitely get used to the process of changing nappies. And for the most part, you get used to the smell. But there's just every now and then, one which is just utterly horrendous that you can't deal with. Like, you just cannot deal with it. 
um, which Becky's much better at doing than me. I just sit there and just go, no, fuck you, that's personal attack on me. I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> <laughs> sit there and stink, you disgusting bastard. Uh, um, and, yeah, Becky was... Uh, Becky was sitting there and um, just like, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. I don't know what you're struggling with. That's why women are so much better than men. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's but I just, yeah, no, not just not for me. I have a limit of what I can deal with. And this, when it comes out and it looks like, you know, mouldy, rancid shepherd's pie, uh, it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not fucking with this. This is like, this is beyond what I can deal with. Um, but yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's an experience, mate. It's definitely an experience. Um, yeah. But, um, You've ruined Shepard's Pie for me, so congratulations right, uh, on that. <laughs> the uh, the piercing doesn't really bother me. It's just kind of funny and mildly inconvenient. But the um, this shit is beyond. It's unnecessary. <laughs> it's like a faucet. <laughs> just turn <laughs> it off. It is. It's absolutely awful. He's happy about it as well. Bless his heart. Yeah, we'll work our way towards a finish for now. Uh, for anyone listening, let us know if you want more or if you want to hear some more in-depth stuff. And, you know, we're happy to probably, I'm sure Steve at some point will be happy to revisit the topic yeah, yeah, but... when he is available. Um, the uh, I assume he hasn't had his first words yet. I'm not very no, clued up not, what kind of age they get no. to before they he's, do that. I don't know. So No, he's not there yet. He, he makes noises, he laughs, he kind of he does his own little kind of version of speech and his kind of grunts and stuff. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of, he's just preparing himself to crawl. Mm. Uh, he's kind of been able to get himself on all fours. He rolls around a lot. Yeah, the main thing now is just trying to, he's got a tooth that needs to, um, that needs to come through that's been, knocking on these gums for the last like two or three months and it's just refusing to break through so we're just causing them quite a bit of discomfort which is great so um we're just trying to get that through and when he's got that first tooth then hopefully other things fall into place around eating and stuff like that so um but no yeah he's not he's not quite at words yet uh, as we wrap it up i have two happy questions to leave it on because you know very rarely do we get to leave it on a positive on this podcast these days. Uh, first of all, is this child going to be an Arsenal fan or a Manchester United fan? The debate continues. I think the happy medium is probably going to be a Plymouth Argyle fan. So you can support his local club. We can just go down there. Yeah, just support your local team. They haven't got any money. We'll pay them 20 quid to go and watch them. I'm not... So that's that's what we're trying to kind of do. The fact that Arsenal beat Man United the other night, he was in bed for, which is fucking annoying. So... Um, yeah, I, he's probably going to end up being an Argyle fan. I've got this image of him, like when he's old enough, and he's like, "Dad, I really like Tottenham Hotspur." No. <laughs> no. If he even yeah, says the name yeah. Harry Kane, he's going to get <laughs> yeah, he's going to get snitskied all the way. That's what you should do. You should just like sing in a really demonic nature Snitsky's theme every time he comes out of line and then show him what Snitsky is because then he'll know that'll be his Krampus that'll be perfect for him um, I just yeah I just keep singing she wore a yellow ribbon at him hoping that will influence him or someone <laughs> that's phenomenal oh dear um, obviously he will have a first one do you have like a kind of romantic. So I know that Becky obviously is huge on Disney as well, so I imagine that's going to play a really good part of yeah. his childhood, which is Definitely. I think is important because I actually think Disney's really good at teaching people base values, understanding, love, respect, all those kind of things. It's really good. People don't realise actually, I think, just how good Disney is at uh, instilling and installing in people these uh, ideas of norms of society. You know, it's the simple things that we all take for granted, how to fall in love and stuff like that. 
are you excited for that day you know when you when you first get called dad do you feel that will cement the whole legacy and everything you're doing as a father at that point yeah good job don't get move out <laughs> at that point i've complete parenthood mate to be honest that'd be amazing I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, look, everyone, of course, I'm looking forward to all that kind of stuff. But there's there's all those milestones along the road that you look forward to. Like you look forward to the first words. You look forward to walking and getting mobile, sort of, because you're also a bit terrified of it because it's you have to chase him around. You know, looking forward to taking him to his first football game. Looking forward to not taking him to his first wrestling show because everyone's a rapist. <laughs> looking forward to taking him to you know and that, ladies and gentlemen, is all you get on speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, taking him to Disneyland and stuff. You know, all those kind of like you know those milestones that you you dream about doing as a parent or things mm. that you enjoyed as a kid that you want to kind of then uh, you know share with him and have him experience as well because you love doing it. You know, playing fucking Crash Bandicoot or something. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's great those games that we played as kids being remastered now, so we can play them again. Is awesome. You know, that means that we can kind of relive that with the younger generation, which is great. So. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff is is stuff that you look forward to, you know, having him move out, you know, I'm looking forward to that on a daily basis, you know, I'm, I'm already planning what I'm doing to his room, it's going to be fucking magnificent, but yeah, it's, you look forward to those milestones, but yeah, when he says dad, that's it, he's done, off he goes, switch to I'm looking forward to when he's about 10 or 11 years old and he discovers that he can play GTA while you're asleep, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're young beautiful impressionable son you'll find that he all of a sudden starts uttering obscenities and racial slurs as he's mowing down prostitutes because i almost feel like as a man that is kind of one of our rites of passage is discovering a gta game and running over your first prostitutes like i just imagine like becky's like oh that first word was beautiful oh the first time we sat down and watched a disney film together steve's like yeah the first time he ran down his hooker after he smashed her in in the car, this was a special day for us. <laughs> um, you know what? Like, we've all been there. G- I think GTA 3, or maybe GTA London might have been the first one that I played at a mate's house, but GTA 3 is one that I remember. My mum walking in as I was standing in a subway station with a fucking <laughs> with the, um, uh, flamethrower just incinerating everything inside to blackened corpses. All over. like, what the fuck is this? Like, Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, or I'll be your next. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I um, I, I mean, I'm thrilled, obviously. I mean, gosh, there's so many things I could ask. I'll leave them for another podcast. Like I say, if anyone wants to hear more, if we get a load of download numbers, we'll probably revisit the topic. Um, but ultimately, mate, it's lovely to have you back on the pod, even if it's for a brief sort of stint to chat about being a father. Uh, obviously, when and you know, if you have time and the schedule allows for it, we'll uh, we'll happily reconvene and maybe get you to chat about some old school wrestling because I imagine that's probably a little bit easier to stomach and swallow than the current content and ultimately the climate that we also live in, um, yeah. which is currently being exposed to what it actually is. So, Manic Mondays, no doubt, will return one day, ladies and gentlemen. When it does, you will be smashed in the mouth with glorious retro goodness. Um, until then, Steve, no, thank you very much for joining me at the Wrestle Club. I haven't said that in a long time. Yeah, fucking hell. Weird, it's weird to hear, man. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for thanks for allowing me to come back on and chat a bit of shit with you, man. Yeah, the position is still held. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say quickly to Carl Wilkinson and Jane Miller uh, in terms of, because, you know, obviously I think they're vying for control of that co-host position. <laughs> uh, look, they've done a, a, a good job, and I'm happy for them to carry on in, uh, in doing a... a I mean, good job is probably being a bit nice to them, but they're doing a job. It's generous. Mm. 
Yeah, um, but they're, you know, I'm happy for them to carry on talking about the stuff that they enjoy, right? Pedophilia, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I'll, I'll probably concentrate on... <laughs> I'm going to concentrate on more wholesome content, like, you know, I don't know, Mick Foley smashing Triple H in the face with barbed wire. Yeah, or May Young getting powerbomb for a table. These, these are the things that... Yeah, uh, May Young getting a baps out at the Royal Rumble yeah, kitty, or something kitty. along those lines. Or giving birth to a fist or whatever the fuck Yes. Gerald Fabulous Moonlight fighting ivory. That's what I want to talk about. Real women's wrestling. Uh, um, before everything about Fabulous Moonlight is wholesome, right? Right? You never did yeah, that wrong, right? Yeah. Back in the days when we didn't realise that they were ripping each other. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah, what a what an innocent time it was. It was. It was a magical time. Um, yeah, thank you very much, mate. It's a pleasure. Uh, Carl Wilkinson and Jay Miller, your days are numbered. <laughs> uh, Carl, you'll be fine, though, because Steve doesn't want to talk about modern wrestling, so you'll always have yeah, a yeah, place crack here. Crack on, son. Crack on. Uh, right. Yeah, I guess that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Aaron X. That doesn't matter. He's been Steve Neal, and that's what's important. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed this nice change of pace from what we're regularly doing. Uh, we'll, we'll, of course, return. We've still got a couple of interviews that uh, still need to be released. We've got some content leading up. And, of course, episode 500, which hopefully Mr. Neal will be a part of in some form or fashion, will be okay, approaching. Yes. So any questions, Q&A, all that kind of stuff, we're just going to prop. We're just going to let it go. It's going to be a clusterfuck and people can just ask whatever, you know, uncensored, just like the podcast. So have at it. But until then, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you very soon for more content for the rest of them.